0: Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host Kim Smith. This is episode 218. When you choose to err on the side of caution, that's one of those phrases that we hear quite often. But how often do we really practice it? We're going to talk today about a story in the life of King David. Which, if you've been with us any time at all, you know we've said we've done a lot of stories on King David. Today's is as he is headed back into Jerusalem after Absalom was killed and David is now going to become king of Israel again. And what I'm going to do, because it can be more than a bit confusing, unless you know quite a bit about Ziba and Mephibosheth, uh, two names that you don't hear every day, I'm going to read some scriptures to help set the stage because you probably know who King David is, even if you haven't been listening to the podcast, you know who he is. But to know who these other characters are, like who in the world would name their kids Zeba and Mephibosheth, and those are not names that we hear in our modern day. So back in 2 Samuel 4.4, 4, we had a narrative, and in the midst of that narrative, there was this verse that in the English translations was put in, I always want to say quotation marks, it's not quotation marks, were put in brackets. And because it just seemed like this most random fact in the midst of another story. So backing up just a little bit, do you remember who David's best friend was? David's best friend was Jonathan, who was one of Saul's sons. He was the eldest son of King Saul. And David and Jonathan had sworn allegiance to each other and promised um, that they would hold that covenant promise even after death. And that's very, very important. And if you don't know anything about the the friendship between David and Jonathan, you need to either go back and listen to the podcast episodes about that and or please go read your Bible and just look up the stories of Jonathan and David because they are amazing pictures of what true godly friendship can be. But after Jonathan and King Saul died, David was named initially king of Judah, and eventually he was named king of all Israel. And as David was more prominent, things were settling in. He had time on his hands. He would sit around and and try to figure out like, how can I honor my commitment to, to Jonathan? Going back to that, the bracketed part, it says, Saul's son Jonathan has, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the, ki- when the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. And the next time we see Mephibosheth listed is in 2 Samuel 9. It says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show kindness show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. In Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Makir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Mekir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here at, with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I am, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. This is important. Follow through with this here. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will sit, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. That's another little bracketed section. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So... We don't hear anything more about Ziba and Mephibosheth until David is on his mournful walk out of the city of Jerusalem, leaving because Absalom was coming in to take over as king. And we pick it up here, 2 Samuel 16, it says, when David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the son servant of Mephibosheth was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 bunches of summer fruit, and a wineskin full of wine. What are these for? The king asked Zeba. Zeba replied, The donkeys are for the king's people to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson? The king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Zeba replied. He said, today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. In that case, the king told Zeba, I give you everything Mephibosheth owns. I bow before you, Ziba replied. May I always be pleasing to you, my lord, the king. And We spent one entire podcast on this particular set of scriptures talking about the fact that David was in a very compromised place. And you do not see him consulting the Lord to see if Zeba is telling the truth or if he is taking advantage of the, the situation in order to try to take away what Mephibosheth had been given. But either way, David gave Zeba all of Mephibosheth's Land and remember, Mephibosheth couldn't go on his own, he had to rely on somebody else. And we do not know absolutely for sure who was lying because we're going to see in today's scripture passage the rest of the story. And when we see the rest of the story, we're gonna see that Mephibosheth says that he, he doesn't call Zeba a liar. He just states what, from his perspective, really happened. And I'll be honest with you, I have much more tendency to believe Mephibosheth than to believe Ziba. But it was a tough call for David. It was especially a tough call when he was walking out of Jerusalem and he was already compromised and wasn't sure where, what was what. And we've all been there. We don't make the best of decisions when we're under pressure, when we are sad, when we feel like all hope may be gone. We're not thinking clearly, and we're not always asking the Lord to give us direction. I wish David had, but he didn't. So then that brings us up to today. So we see that David is now back in the driver's seat, spode to speak, and he is headed into Jerusalem triumphant. Second Samuel nineteen twenty four through 30. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet, trimmed his beard, or washed his clothes since the day the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth, the king asked him. Mephibosheth replied, my lord, the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, saddle my donkey so I can go with the king, for as you know, I am crippled. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come, but I know that my lord, the king, is like an angel of God, so do what you think is best. All my relatives and I expect only death from you, my lord. But instead, you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. What more can I ask? You've said enough, David replied. I've decided that you and Zeba will divide your land equally between you. Give him all of it, Mephibosheth said. I am content just to have you safely back again, my lord, the king. What a story. And the thing is, we don't know. Scripture does not say which one was lying. Obviously, one of them was lying. I, again, fall on the side of, I think Zeba was. But just like David's situation here, where it's not clear cut, I mean, I wish David had asked for the Lord's help. Like, at least we don't see that he has asked for the Lord's help. Maybe he did, but we don't see that he did. In the book of James, James 1, 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, and he will not rebuke you for asking. And even though that was written way past David's time, We know that David knew that truth. He knew that God would give him wisdom in his decisions if he would just ask. But, as I've mentioned before, I don't think that David was especially attentive to the Lord's voice during this time. We know that he did cry out to him at some points while the Absalom situation was going on, but he seems to be really focused On himself a lot. And we're all going to run across situations in our life. Where. Even when we pray. God may not. Provide an answer. He'll provide an answer on time. But it's on his time. And sometimes he doesn't provide a clear answer. Sometimes. He allows us to sit in the silence. And so what do you do if you have approached the Lord and want to know exactly what to do in a situation but you haven't heard clearly. What do you do and and I think that I think you you choose to err on the side of caution. You know, in this case, David could have turned around and he could have taken everything from Zeba and had him killed and then could have given everything back to Mephibosheth. And even though I I'll be honest, that's kind of what I was rooting for, just because I think Zeba's probably sneaky as can be. Mephibosheth needed Zeba. Zeba had taken care of things, and even though it appears that he probably was not the most trustworthy employee. David David gave them both another chance. Even though Zeba wasn't asking for one, he gave them both another chance. You know, sometimes sometimes we just we go to the Lord, we ask for his guidance, we ask for his wisdom. But he wants us to use the noggin that we have. (laughs) He wants us to weigh the options. If he gives us a clear-cut answer, we need to just go with that, even if it doesn't make logical sense. (laughs) Excuse me, but if he does not give us a clear-cut answer, We need to commit the decision to him and make a reasoned but careful decision. With this decision, David left it so that if he learned more information later, he could have changed his mind and he could have corrected it. But he didn't burn a bridge, so to speak, in the process. So I ask you as we close out, is there any decision looming in front of you in which you need to err on the side of caution? Maybe you need to make a possible temporary decision until you know more information. Maybe your decision is to wait where... As you may be getting pressured to move ahead, but if you do not have a clear answer from the Lord, and without that, it also does not make sense, and you have received counsel, godly counsel, and either they said, absolutely don't go down that road, or we're not sure. How about you err on the side of caution and then continue to seek the Lord and to seek his will. God may very well be using situations that are unclear to grow your faith muscles. You know, if he gave us an immediate answer every time we ask for a decision, we would go to him in a blink, but we would never have that opportunity to grow in the silence. You know, I think about, I was thinking about just earlier today, times in my life where God's direction was not clear. And I was getting to stretch faith muscles to levels that I thought they might tear loose. But those are the times that I grew. And even though I don't want to do that every day, I'm thankful for those times. So thank you so much for tuning in. May God give you wisdom in your decisions. And may he grow you as you learn to trust him more, and you learn to trust his timing, and you also learn to trust that if he doesn't give you a clear answer, that you use the wisdom that God has already placed in you, and the people around you, and God's word, and you make a, a cautious, error on the side of caution decision, Until you have more facts or God gives you greater clarity. Down below in the show notes, we have the extra scriptures down there. Uh, We have links to the resources. If you do not have a personal relationship with Christ, you can either reach out to me at Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus or you can click on the link down below. We've got our Facebook group, Twitter feed, Instagram, got our YouTube channel. I haven't been touching it, but it does have the information from the book of Joshua in there. And so there's like 20, I think it's like about 28 lessons that you can go through in there. And so, you know, a reminder that this podcast is free to share. It's free to listen to for you. And, you know, I get on here every week, just pouring out what God has laid on my heart. And trusting that God will accomplish exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or imagine. And that's how I that's what I'm doing today. I may err on the side of caution when it comes to decisions, but I'm gone all in with this podcast, and I've invested 218 episodes. Just trusting that God is using this to encourage you and others in your relationship to Christ. Never hesitate to reach out to me if you've got questions, comments, prayer requests. I would love to hear from you. And as we sign off each week, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day.